Welcome to Leadership Matters, the Grace Fellowship Podcast, where our goal is to help you lead with greater clarity and passion to fulfill the vision that God has given to you. Here's your host, Garland Vance. Welcome to Leadership Matters, the Grace Fellowship Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Garland Vance, and this is episode three. I am thrilled to welcome to the show Brian Owen, the pastor of discipleship at Grace Fellowship. Uh, Brian is a part of the Grace Fellowship executive team. He's also my boss, so I'm going to make sure I say everything just right today uh, to impress him. Hey, Brian, it's really exciting to have you here. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's great to be here, Garland. Thanks for inviting me. Come on. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Hey, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about a topic that I think is near and dear to both of our hearts, and it's the overlap of discipleship and leadership. Um, I think Brian and I are both interested uh, in these topics, Absolutely. and um, it's it's funny, though, because most writers and thinkers tend to approach discipleship and leadership mm-hmm. as two completely different uh, things, and I think one of, the, one of the areas where you and I have a lot of common uh, overlap is that we tend to see discipleship and community as, uh, as very connected, and so I'm just excited for this conversation uh, today. Me too. Yeah. So in, um, in November of 2016, Brian and I attended a conference with a, a few other people, and it was focused on developing the leadership pipeline in your church. Um, and so at the time that we're attending this conference, we're also beginning to have conversations at Grace Fellowship around uh, creating a discipleship pathway. So we're talking about a discipleship pathway and a leadership pipeline, and then we go to this conference. And one of the things that, that happened in that conference is we walked away with the group that we were with saying that we wanted to commit that we would not separate discipleship and, and leadership. Right. And the reason we were so emphatic about that is because I don't know how you separate those two. I mean, that's, that, that's incredibly problematic to separate discipleship and leadership. Yeah. So, so tell us a couple of, of some of the reasons why it would be problematic to separate discipleship and leadership. Well, I mean, as, as I thought more about this, I mean, the truth is you really can't separate those two things because a disciple is basically a student or a learner or an apprentice of someone. And so you are always someone's disciple. Um, someone or really a group of people have always influenced every single one of us. And and you lead or influence others out of what you've learned from others, whether or not you're conscious of that influence. So what is destructive as a Christian is to try to lead apart from being a, a, an apprentice of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, I, mean, I don't absolutely. really know how, that, how you do that. Because, you know, and admittedly, though, there, there's a lot of really good stuff available on leadership development. Just books, websites, seminars, without question, a lot of great stuff, right. a lot of stuff to take advantage of. But apprenticing yourself to Jesus, becoming a student of Jesus, will take you in a very different direction in terms of how you approach being a leader. Yeah. So, wow, you just said a lot there that I think was um, some just some really aha moments even this early on in the uh, in the podcast. But you can't. It's not even that it's dangerous or problematic to separate leadership and discipleship. You really can't separate them. And then if we are gonna. Dis- uh, apprentice ourselves to Jesus Christ, 
that's going to take our leadership in in a very different direction. Yeah, it's going to have a completely different tone, a texture, a, 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 a spirit to it. Yeah. We'll, we'll lead from a very different posture. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I say this a lot, um, especially around Grace Fellowship. I, I think that a lot of Christians act like leadership is a business idea mm-hmm. that the church adopted. But really what we believe at Grace Fellowship and what I think Scripture shows us over and over again is that leadership is God's idea and the business world adopted it. Yeah. And it may have be, become more popular in, mm-hmm. in the business world. And that's not a bad thing for the business world to have adopted one of God's ideas, right. whether they know it was his idea uh, or not. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why, uh, why at Grace Fellowship we really want to focus on, on discipleship and leadership mm-hmm. taking place. Right. And it's also one of the reasons why I think it's important that in this podcast we're not just talking about leadership that takes place in ministry or in the church, Mm -hmm. but if you are a leader in a business or in a hospital or at a law firm or a leader in your community or a leader in your home, leadership is applicable to everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the other problems I think that we see a lot of times when, when, when Christians try to separate leadership and discipleship is we create lopsided Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I know you and I have, have talked before of seeing Christians who walk really, really closely with God, but they're not willing to take a step of faith to lead others. Mm-hmm. And so their faith is really personal, but it's also very private. Right. Um, and then, you know, they, maybe they, they model Christ to others, and that's what they would say, right? Mm-hmm. I set a good example for Christ, but they're not actually leading yeah. other people. So that's a, that's a lopsided Christian. Right. And, and the opposite of that can also be true. Like we, we can, can uh, talk about people who, who can lead really, really well. They have unbelievable yeah. skills and capacities in, in leadership, but they're not walking closely with Jesus Christ. Right. So they'll have a different texture and spirit to their leadership. Yeah, and it yeah. really does, it can do a lot of damage right. when, you know, you're leading in the name of Jesus Christ, but without the guidance of him uh, in, your, in your life. And so we want to make sure that we don't separate leadership and discipleship because we don't want lopsided Christians who tend to uh, lean toward one right. more than the other. Yeah, and because here's why. Too often, leadership alone is often about acquiring power and control. It's often about identifying and living out of our gifts and our passions in the power of our own autonomous self. So this approach to leadership is embedded in in an approach to life that would say that a flourishing self is an actualized self, where you discover your gifts and your abilities and you live those out in the power of the self. And my friends Jamin Goggin and Kyle Strobel wrote a fantastic book on power I recently read, and it's called The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. And they note that with Jesus, that the flourishing self or the flourishing leader is the abiding self, not the actualized self. It's that self that's wholly dependent on Jesus. And this is what a genuine human existence looks like, and it's an entirely different basis for leadership. It's finding strength and weakness and dependence and not simply on discovering and maximizing one's own strengths. I mean, Jesus said in John 15, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, I and you, you will bear much fruit, for apart from me, you can do 
nothing. I mean, it's great to know your gifts and abilities, but if you're going to flourish as a leader, as a Christ-like leader, it's not, not through discovering and actualizing all your gifts and abilities and the power of the self, but it's through being an abiding self. Right. Right. And I think one of the things that, that a lot of time gets, uh, gets overlooked is that when, when we try to use our gifts apart from abiding, mm-hmm. the only power that we've got to do that in is our own best self right. at the, you know, at yeah. the best. And, but when we're, when we're using our, our gifts and our strengths in the power of, of an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. we have infinite power right. that can come with that. But it really does show how weak we are, mm-hmm. you know, at, yeah. at the same time. Um, so, hey, by the way, if you're, uh, as you're listening to this, we'll include uh, Jamin uh, Goggin and Kyle Strobel's book, uh, The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. We'll include that in the show notes so you can um, find where to, to go get that. I haven't read the whole thing, but it's the excellent. pieces that I have that are really, really uh, outstanding. Um, so as, we're, as we continue talking in this episode, we really want to make a case that discipleship and leadership overlap, that they fit together. And as Brian said earlier, you can't separate them. And then we'd like to give some practical ways to help your discipleship and leadership maintain uh, their incorporation together. And so where we're going to begin is by offering four ways that discipleship and leadership overlap. Yeah. So um, the first way, the first way that they overlap is that the Great Commission really demonstrates that these overlap. Everybody, if you've been following Jesus for any, any while of time, you know that the Great Commission where Jesus said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says to his disciples, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So there's this command that Jesus gives to his first followers to go and make disciples of all nations. So obviously, that's a discipleship statement. And then a statement to teach them to obey everything I've already commanded you. That's another discipleship statement. But those are also leadership statements. I mean, how can you possibly make a disciple unless you influence them? And I love how uh, John Wax- Maxwell, I think he's the one that made it, made it clear and made it famous that leadership at basic root is all about influence. Right. So, and so is disciple-making. I mean, you can't make a disciple or grow a disciple without some form of influence in their lives. That means the Great Commission is a call to both discipleship and leadership. Wow, that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, I think that's really keen insight on the idea of the Great Commission being, it's a both-and, right? Yeah, it's a, it really it's a discipleship and a leadership call. Let me share a second way that those two uh, work together. So both discipleship and leadership are rooted in the transformation of both character and culture. So stick with me here. This sounds a little a little heady, but I, I just think that this is, is really uh, really cool. So discipleship is first and foremost rooted in the transformation of your character, right? You come to Christ right. and... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yep, the old exactly. has passed away, right? We're putting mm-hmm. on Christ. We're killing our old flesh, or the old flesh has died. The new flesh is, I mean, the new spirit is is now alive. So when you come to Christ, you get this new identity. Uh, you're now rooted in Christ. He's in you, and you're in him. 
and the the overflow of that is your character is is transformed right you become mm-hmm. a loving person your anger begins to die all of those things but discipleship isn't just about the transformation of your character but it's also about transforming every sphere of society in which a, a person lives um and I, I love uh, the story of Amy Carmichael um, and just this, this incredible discipleship relationship that she had with Jesus Christ, but she also lived in the culture as a missionary there, in the culture of India, right. and ended up transforming that culture and freeing temple prostitutes and starting an orphanage. And she didn't separate her discipleship and her leadership. No, it transformed the culture around her, the impact she had on the sex trafficking industry that was going on in India back, I think, in the 1800s. Yeah. yeah and, and, and this tends to be something that a lot of times we Christians overlook, is that it's about that, that discipleship is not just about the transformation of character, but it's also about the transformation of, of culture. Right. What's funny with leadership is a lot of times in, in leadership uh, writing and thinking, we... we reverse that and we think that leadership is all about the transformation of culture mm-hmm. and we don't think about the transformation of character yeah. that really takes place but you know leadership is about the transformation of of a culture whether that's the culture of your home or the culture of your organization mm-hmm. or the culture of your uh, the hospital that you work in or, or you know the culture of the society that you're living in leadership is ultimately a, about transformation of, of culture but that has to start with your own transformation. Absolutely. I mean, they have to go together. It's like too often I've seen in the Christian circles I've worked in, we're, we're, we want to reach the world for Christ and we want to go make an impact and make a difference. And that's, that's phenomenal. That's great. But what I saw happening all around me along the way is that these, these character issues weren't being addressed very deeply or maybe just in a surface way. And over time, those become huge stumbling blocks yeah. in the ministry. I've seen people have to resign from the ministry or problems in their marriage. And, and it, it really it impacts their leadership. Yeah. That both their character and their competency to impact the culture have to grow together. So that, that's, that's a key piece of leadership. Yeah. And I, I've heard it said before, and I really love this statement, that the, the growth of your character should, never, um, should always outpace the growth of your leadership influence, right? Mm-hmm. You should always be growing more internally than you are externally. And it's when those two things begin to change place yeah. that there's a lot of danger that yeah, happens. Yeah, I think so. There. Yeah, so um, so uh, I've heard you talk about this before, about one of the, the debates that this is similar to. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, or this, there's a debate that sometimes happens in Christian circles, and it's a debate about whether God is a missional God or a transformational God. Is God concerned with your transformation or does he want to mobilize his people to accomplish the mission? So that's what I was just kind of alluding to. Yeah. And I don't think this is an either-or question. I mean, you really need both. Yeah. You need people who are deeply transformed by the gospel of Jesus. They're going to be the most missional. They'll have the most influence. Mm. I mean, think about the early church. They didn't have a lot of what we now consider necessary for uh, transforming the world and, or starting a church. They had no budget. Uh, they had no buildings. They didn't even have Bibles, as we know. Most yeah. of the culture was illiterate. The yeah. way you heard Scripture was coming together in someone's home as a group. But the force of their transformed lives, the presence of the Spirit of God working in them and through them, caused a ripple effect over the entire Roman Empire. I mean, mm. you think about, you know, Nazareth is in some obscure part of the Roman Empire, and not 
you know, within a century or so, you've got, you've got Christians all over the Roman Empire. And yeah. No budgets, no building program, you know, and, you know, it's, it was the, the, wow, I mean, it was the, the their transformed lives affect, affected the culture. I mean, so you see that transformation and mission were both present in their lives, one impacted the other. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's really a silly debate in a it lot is, of ways. Yeah. Like what, is, what does God want? Does he want transformation or does he want mission? Well, why do we have to separate these two? Right, right, yeah. It, yeah, and, so, and then there's, a, you know, there's at least it's the third way that discipleship and leadership over, overlap. And so go ahead and jump into that. It's, that. it's this, is that as Christ influences and guides you, the natural overflow will be your influence and guidance of other people. Yeah, I see this all the time, and um, so I have a, a good friend of mine named Ben, who is a stay-at-home dad, mm-hmm. and uh, I talk with him uh, fairly regularly, and anytime I talk with Ben, he is really open to tell me about what God is doing in his life, mm-hmm. and it's amazing to me to watch how what God is doing in Ben's life begins to leak out onto what God mm. is doing in his kids' lives. And, um, and so that, I think that's one of the, the ways that that's a, an example of this, this third way that discipleship and leadership over, overlap. Yeah. yeah, exactly. His growth as a disciple of Jesus is impacting his children. Yeah, so really simple example. But, so let me go ahead and jump into the fourth way. And I think that's Scripture shows us Jesus incorporating leadership into his discipleship of, of his disciples. So let me say that again. The Bible shows Jesus incorporating leadership into his discipleship of the disciples who followed him. So I see this um, happening specifically in, in Mark 6. You can also see there's a parallel passage to this in, in Luke 10. But it's where Jesus sends out um, disciples two by two, and he sends them out on a leadership journey. And in the Mark 6 passage, he says, I want you to go out. I, I want you to take nothing else besides your staff, and I want you to share the gospel with people. And if people accept it, stay there, right, for mm-hmm. a while. And if they don't, then shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next location. And this was a huge leadership assignment. Right. He was empowering them to lead. He was giving them instruction. Yeah. And they were, they were casting out demons and they were preaching the gospel and they were doing all kinds of things. And he's giving them this massive leadership assignment, but it's really part of their growth as, as a disciple. And so they're, they have to grow as disciples as they're beginning to step out in faith Mm -hmm. in their leadership journey. And I just see these kind of conversations for me all over Jesus's ministry. You know, when Jesus tells Peter that the church is going to be built upon the rock of Peter's confession, like I see that as an opportunity where Jesus is essentially saying, hey, Peter, lead the way, right? right? Step up. Uh-huh. Step up. It's time to step up. That's right. And then before he ascends, Jesus says, I, I'm going to send you to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I'm getting ready to leave. And so the mantle of leadership and discipleship are now in your hands, go with the Spirit. Right, and this is also when he promised them that Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was going to work through them. So again, you see that their leadership you know, in the early church is, is done in dependence on the Spirit. There's that idea again, and not simply their own strength and power. And this is that different kind of leadership I talked about earlier, that lead, an abiding self leading out of a dependence upon Jesus, upon the Spirit. Yeah, and, and that's, that's so critical, is that we don't depend 
on our own gifts and abilities. We can use them, mm-hmm. but we can't depend upon them. Those don't have the ability to change hearts or change uh, change cultures mm-hmm. that we want to. So, Brian, just give us a, a quick recap. We've talked about four ways that discipleship and leadership overlap. Just give us a recap of those. Okay, the, the four ways are this. The first is that the Great Commission demonstrates the overlap of discipleship and leadership. Second, discipleship and leadership are both rooted in transformation of both character and culture. Third, as Christ influences you, the natural overflow will be your influence and guidance of others. And then fourth, Jesus incorporated leadership opportunities into his time with the disciples. All right. So as we as we go into kind of the last section of this uh, podcast, I think it would be good for us to talk about a few ways that leaders can incorporate discipleship and leadership together. And I, I think it's important to point out that as, as we talk through this, again, we're not talking about just ministry leaders. These right. are ministry, marketplace, community, home, how can leaders who are followers of Jesus Christ incorporate leadership and discipleship? It's oh, a great question. Well, I mean, being a disciple of Jesus will impact how you lead, you know, whether that's in home, at the workplace, or in the church. It impacts everything, how you use power, how you use money, how you treat your employees, um, all these things. So, I mean, one example for me, I think of in our community, is Christian Brothers Automotive. Uh, one of their, yeah. Um, yeah, Brad Fink is the manager of one of their auto shops in Katy. He's also a member of our church and one of our small group leaders. Yeah. And the DNA of this company is clearly impacted by the leadership's commitment to following Christ. They're, for example, they're closed not just on Sundays, but Saturday and Sunday. And that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty much unheard of in the auto repair industry. But it's a great benefit to their mechanics. Yeah. And Another thing, they're, like this month, they're sponsoring a free oil change day for single parents and widows. Yeah. So these are flowing out of their commitment to Christ. Yeah, so we're recording this in October, right? right. This will go live in, in December, but, but in the month of October, they're giving away right. free uh, oil, oil change day for, for some people. So I just want to apologize if you're hearing this for the first <laughs> yeah. time and you fit that, uh, that people group that, that you may have missed out on that opportunity. So keep keep going though. Sorry, sure. that's okay. Yeah, and, you know. So I think another thing to think about is you know is um, viewing leadership opportunities as an opportunity to disciple others. Whether you're in the marketplace or ministry or the home, you have influence over people. So how can you use your your leadership opportunities for discipleship purposes? Right. So this is going to be more of a challenge in business or at a hospital if it's if it's. Not always appropriate to talk about your faith. I mean, you don't want to be the Christian nag at work. You don't want to be the Ned Flanders of, <laughs> right. of you know, corporate America or right. whatever. Um, but you can certainly lead in a way that models Christ's love and compassion. And that can lead to conversations about why you lead differently. I love what Peter says. He says in um, I can't remember, first or second Peter, he says, basically, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have. So he's right. assuming that people are going to ask that, that mm. they're going to notice something different in us, yeah. which is also convicting when you, when you, when you sit and ponder that a little bit. But, right. <laughs> but that's something to think about. But I, I think about just our, our own kids in our high school ministry. I, mean, I have a friend who used to teach theater at one of the high schools here in Katy. And one of the reasons that he and his family began attending our church was because of, of the, the, the lives of the, of the students that were in, in his theater program, but who also were part of our high school ministry. They, yeah. had a, they had a different quality of life that set them apart from his other students, and that was part of what drew 
him and his family to our church is that, you know, whether they were aware of it or not, they were, they were influencing their teacher. They were serving as a leader to their leader, right. influencing him by their character. Yeah, I love that. I love how I, I just hear, when I hear that story, I think of that as a clarion call to young leaders who may think that they don't have the platform or the influence right. or anything along those lines and to listen to this story about a, a teacher whose students influenced yep. him to, to come to Grace Fellowship. I, man, I just love that. I love that leadership uh, and influence are not age no, dependent. absolutely not. So it also may be a little bit easier. Uh, you, you, we were talking about viewing leadership opportunities as an opportunity to disciple others. I think this may be a little bit easier for, for our leaders who are um, leading in the home, but it still takes a level of, of intentionality, um, knowing that as you raise your children that you're going to be, for the first 18 years of their lives, potentially you are the primary leader uh, right. in their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, w- one of the reasons that, you know, anytime you talk to parents of young kids, especially, it's what you hear is, man, parenting is exhausting. Totally. And I think, <laughs> I think one of the reasons that it's so exhausting is because it's nonstop leadership. You know, you are shaping and forming. It's nonstop everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. Um, and in those early stages, you know, it's a lot of directive influence. Do this, don't do this, you know, stop that, start this. Um, but those can also be opportunities that are discipleship opportunities. Um, I actually had this happen in my family uh, just recently. My daughter came home with a, a really challenging situation mm-hmm. at school where she had to make a decision to either do what she believed was right or do what her peers told her mm-hmm. was not right. And she's in sixth grade, right? Terrible time to have to make yeah. that kind of that kind of decision. And she stood her ground. Wow. And um, some of her friends got really, really upset with her. Mm-hmm. And it was also a situation where she was, uh, she was potentially messing up. Uh, it was a, a shared uh, project mm-hmm. at school that they had to do, and they wanted her to, to do something that she wasn't, uh, wasn't comfortable with. And it, it had the potential of affecting her grade. And I, I said to her, uh, as she was explaining the situation, I, I said, you know, baby, this is an opportunity for you to do what's right. And if you get a zero on that mm-hmm. test, that'll be the, the proudest grade you've ev- that mm-hmm. I've ever seen you get. Like, I'm okay with a zero. And for me, that was a kind of a leadership and discipleship sure. opportunity mm-hmm. to say, I'm going to lead you, but I also want to point you to Christ. Right. This is the best thing. Uh, thing for you. And so, yeah, it happens all the time at home if we can just view view those leadership and discipleship opportunities. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just the conversations we have with our kids, but like whether or not we're reading scripture together. Right. Um, the way we live our lives has a powerful influence on our kids. Yeah, the rhythm of our homes, mm. how we steward technology and time, our pace of work and rest. These can all work for or against their formation in Christ-likeness. Um, another book I've, I've recently read was a book called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. And he talks, about, um, he talks about liturgy in terms of rituals and things that, that form us. And he says, he talks about our home. One of the ways we can shape our kids spiritually isn't just the uh, explicit things we think about, like making, having time to read scripture together, but it really is 
the rhythms in our home, these things that I just shared, you know, how we use technology and our pace of work and rest, and right. those kind of rhythms, those are forming our kids and giving and orientating their desires in certain directions. So we can, we might, we might disciple them explicitly through reading and talking about the words of Jesus, but we might be living in a way that, that works against that in our home. So we need to think about discipleship as more than just the word. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One of my favorite phrases that I say pretty frequently is everything we do has everything to do with Jesus Christ. So it's it's not just the words, it's the rhythms and the rituals. So let me give one more suggestion on how we can incorporate leadership and discipleship. And that's, I think it's valuable to pray through and process leadership opportunities and challenges. You know, leadership always brings challenges with it. It always, it would be really simple if it weren't for people and tasks, right? Leadership would always yeah. be simple if it weren't sure. for people and tasks that need to be done. But, but part of your discipleship with Christ and the discipleship of others can, can take place as you process through your leadership opportunities. Okay, so how do you do that? So for me, one of the ways I do that is through journaling. Um, so I'm not, some people are religious journalers, you know, they journal every day. And, and um, I, I know people who like actually journal through everything that takes place in a day so that they oh, can go back and... God bless them. them. I know, it's, it's, that's, that's rather time consuming. Um, what I find really helpful is, is journaling with God through my leadership opportunities. So I actually did that uh, this morning. I was um, part of a hard leadership situation um, that I had encountered recently, and I, I knew what my gut reaction was going to be, but I, I felt like I needed to sit down and say, Lord, help me to see this situation through your eyes mm-hmm. and help me to lead in this situation with your voice and with your hands. And, um, and so I, I just sat down and I wrote out what happened from my perspective and then uh, invited the Lord to kind of walk through what he might be calling me to do mm-hmm. in that situation and started writing out. And part of that was identifying what I, uh, what I, my initial reaction mm-hmm. was and then kind of looking at that and going, well, that's not a very godly response mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think that would benefit them or me. Um, and then asking the Lord, okay, how would you help me? How would you guide me in this situation? What does scripture have to say mm-hmm. about that? So all of a sudden, th- my leadership challenge becomes an opportunity for me to grow in my relationship with Christ and yeah. in my leadership capacity mm-hmm. uh, and abilities. And it really gave me the eyes to see the the other to see other people through God's eyes and then to see myself through God's eyes and to see my leadership through God's eyes and then all and and think of a new way a different way to lead than what my natural reaction mm-hmm. uh, would have been so yeah I think journaling is a really great way that I've found at least for me to help connect my leadership to my discipleship mm-hmm. um, hey tell us one more way that um, that the church, not necessarily Grace Fellowship, just uh-huh. churches in general, can help connect leadership and discipleship. Well, you talked about in the last podcast this need for defining the characteristics of a leader. And you mentioned the five characteristics of a leader at Grace Fellowship. They're a lifelong learner, emotionally and spiritually healthy, all in, that they're developing and aligning others for results, and that they see the future. Right. 
So one way that you can make sure that discipleship and leadership are connected at your church is to identify the characteristics of a leader with discipleship language. Okay. And then vice versa, when you talk about discipleship, you can use leadership language. You need to make sure that discipleship is part of your leadership language and characteristics. So at Grace Fellowship, several of these characteristics point to discipleship in our that definition we have of a, of a, life, of a leader. Right. That they're... Um, a lifelong learner, so a disciple's a learner, that they're emotionally and spiritually healthy, right. and that they're all in, which means you're not simply committed to the vision of Grace Fellowship, but to the kingdom of God and the kingship of Jesus. Yeah. And so that's critical to making sure that leadership and discipleship are tied together. Yeah. Brian, th- this has just been, been great. I love uh, talking with you, and um, I-, I always love picking your brain. You're always reading fascinating things, <laughs> and... Um, and I think there is this this shared interest that we both have. So thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, totally. Thanks for and, inviting me. Uh, oh, I'll invite you back again. Please. Uh, and you can even tell me that I have to invite you back again. You know, that's true. That, I could yeah, do that. Yeah, I could say, <laughs> could say that you're taking over it now, and and uh, that would be your prerogative. So, um, but hey, before we go, let me ask you a quick question. Okay. Uh, what are you reading right now, and how is that influencing your leadership? Wow. Okay. Um, Couple of things I'm reading right now. One book I recently finished. Right now I'm reading uh, *The Imitation of Christ* okay. by Thomas Akempis. I'm yeah. getting a fresh translation of that. It's, I think it's, I think it's the second. It's next to the Bible is the most published book in history. I think. Wow. Yeah, and so it's just a rich, old reflection on what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus, to live life like Jesus. If yeah. He were me, what does that look like? And yeah. so it's just. A, the way it is to kind of sit and soak on you know, some of the words of an old sage yeah. centuries ago and learn better how to follow Jesus. Uh, another book I'm reading right now uh, is I'm looking at parenting and some of the challenges my wife and I face with our children. It's a book uh, written by a neurobiologist. I'm going to nerd out here a little bit, but it's called The Whole Brain Child. It is, okay. it is incredibly approachable, and it's fascinating to look at all these recent discoveries in neurobiology and what it has to say about how to more effectively parent our children. And it's, it's beginning to have an impact in how I'm responding to tantrums and meltdowns and requests late at night for things that don't seem that important. And now, do you mean your child's or your wife's? <laughs> <laughs> I better say my child. Okay. I say my wife's when I get in trouble. No, <laughs> my kids. But it, it, it's been a great read, and um, I'm about two-thirds of the way through it. And it's, we, we had a good conversation last night, my wife and I, about it. Yeah. Um, particularly if you, our children are adopted, and as you um, adopted children, typically I'm adopted, so we typically come with a few extra things in our <laughs> in our um, makeup, and so this 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 resource is helping um, us to better parent our kids. That's great. Um, a book that I recently read, that phenomenal book on, on discipleship, is called Liturgy of the Ordinary by uh, Tish Harrison Warren. She's an Anglican priest, and she writes about how the everyday events. Of, a, of an ordinary day can shape and form us into the likeness of Christ. And she wow. literally breaks down an entire day from getting up and brushing your teeth to losing your keys, getting a fight with your husband, when all the elements of the day yeah. walks you through how, how those form us in Christ's likeness. And it, it, you know, so much of life right now for me isn't really flashy or, or sexy. Can I say that on this podcast? But it, <laughs> it's just real ordinary. And so right. this has been a, uh, it's a beautiful read on the value of the ordinary and how transformative that can be in our lives. Yeah. Great. So, well, thanks for sharing. Sure. And Brian, thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Um, it is great to have you on Leadership Matters. And um, 
Hey, for you at home, thanks for listening to Leadership Matters. Our prayer is that God will expand your leadership capacity so that you can fulfill the calling that he's given to you. We'll see you next month.